0: Good evening. Open your Bibles to the book of Philippians, the third chapter. The other day, Leah and I woke up on a Saturday morning and we decided we were going to hike Pinnacle Mountain, the steep side. And so we got all excited and ready. you know, we, we got up, we, we got dressed in you know, the appropriate clothes for hiking and we, we ate a breakfast that was like, this is going to help us hike the mountain because we knew that was our goal that day. We were going to hike the mountain, and that was the thing we were going to do, and nothing was going to stop us, and everything we were doing that morning was in preparation to hike the mountain. And so, you know, we we get a breakfast, not a big cereal breakfast, but like something with protein and stuff, so that we got the energy to hike the mountain. And uh, we got a pack, and so we put some water in there, because the water, it's going to help us hike the mountain, and we put some granola bars in there, because that's going to help us hike the mountain. And You know, we have a lot of things in our apartment that we could have chosen to bring. Uh, For example, we have, you know, board games or a vacuum. And we think, oh, well, you could put that in a pack, but why would you? Because it's not going to help you climb the mountain. So while Leah and I were climbing the mountain there was a lady there who had this big heavy pack. I mean, it was probably like 45 pounds. And I saw her and I was like, why do you need that? What could you possibly need to bring up this mountain that weighs so much and is so big? And I started to think about this. Our goal of hiking the mountain determined everything we did that morning. That was all we were going to do. That was what we intended to do. And everything was fixed through that lens. So every choice we made was, is this going to help me hike the mountain or is it not? Similarly, Paul has one goal in his entire life. He's got this one single-minded focus for everything. And we can find that in Philippians chapter three. See, Paul wants to live out his life in a way that Christ is living In him. And so he says regarding his former life in verse seven, but whatever was considered gain to me, these things for the sake of Christ, I now regard as loss. Truly, I regard everything to be lost because of what is better, the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and regard them as filth. In order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, a righteousness that's from the law, but a righteousness coming from Christ, a righteousness from God based on faith. That I might know him and the power of his rising and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death so that somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So, Paul lays out in the verses preceding this, like he's the man when it comes to Judaism. And if anyone could boast in their flesh, you know, he's a Hebrew of Hebrews, a persecutor of the church. He's according to the law, blameless. Like if you want to make a list of a resume for the perfect Jew, like Paul's got it all. But he says, none of that matters because as Paul gained perspective on his life through the lens of his one goal, which is found in verse 8 here, that I might gain Christ. And there's other things that go along with that. I will uh, also refer to his one goal tonight as what we found in the end of verse 11, to attain the resurrection of the dead. So Paul has this goal and everything he does is put through that lens. And so when he starts to look at his life in Judaism and all the things that he used to do, he asks himself, how does that help me accomplish the goal? And in the same way that I looked at the vacuum cleaner and said, that's not going to help me hike Pinnacle Mountain, Paul looked at his previous life and he said, you know what? This isn't going to help me accomplish my goal of growing closer to God, my goal of gaining Christ, my goal of attaining the resurrection of the dead. So, tonight, we're going to be talking about that focus. Paul has one goal in life, this one question of how is that going to help me become uh, one that obtains the resurrection of the dead, one that gains Christ. And this single-minded determination allowed him to look at his life and make certain distinctions and say, this is not going to help me, or these are the things that I want to do. And so I want to ask us tonight, what sorts of things do we have in our lives that are sucking up our time and energy or distracting our gaze away from Jesus, our goal of knowing Christ? What would that single-minded focus that Paul has look like in our life? I'd like to suggest tonight that there are three things that when we have that single-minded focus on Jesus, they just sort of melt away. They're not important. And the first of them is our glory. Our culture has driven us, uh, driven into us this need to be seen, a need to have a name, to be the greatest. But when we look at our lives and we look at our goal of being known by God, of gaining Christ, we start to ask, why do I need that? Like, what does the glory of man do for me? How is that going to help me gain the resurrection? See, Paul had ample opportunity to boast in himself. But he says, these things are not important. They are uh, filth, rubbish, trash, just of no value. And he has no use for these things that aren't going to help him reach his goal. So in Philippians 3, we'll, we'll read this, uh, this list. In, in starting in verse 2, he says, Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for his sake. I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. See, if we're Paul, it'd be real tempting to look at all these things and say, you know, look at me. I, I mean, I'm the man. But Paul doesn't do that. He doesn't boast in the flesh because he is looking to Christ. And so he, he mentions here that he is uh, as the law of Pharisee. Now, Pharisees are known for doing two things. And both of these things are temptations that Paul could have fallen into, but that he avoided. The first of them is this uh, self-righteousness, the idea that they're going to do all the right things and they're going to be holy in and of themselves, uh, the idea that you know, they seemed like they didn't need God. And if we are single-mindedly focused on God, then there's no way that we're going to be able to stand before him, especially on the judgment day, but even now in prayer and be like, God, look at me, look at all the things I'm bringing to you. Like, no, we're going to see Jesus And our pride in ourself is going to melt away. The second is this idea of wanting to be seen. Uh, And this is something that we see in the Pharisees uh, that Jesus accuses them of in Matthew chapter 6. He is talking to them in the uh, Sermon on the Mount. And he says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them for then you'll have no reward from your father who's in heaven thus when you give to the needy sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others truly i say to you they have received their reward jesus here is saying look there are certain people who just they want the praise of men that's what they're seeking And if that's really what you're seeking, then that's what you're going to get, but that's all you are going to get. And so we, as people who are trying to serve God, who have a single-minded focus of gaining Christ, we start to ask ourselves, why do I need the glory of men? Why do I need people to see me do stuff? You see, The Pharisees, they wanted the appeal of man. And this seeking their own righteousness, seeking their own glory, I mean, it can spread in in a lot of different ways. We can see this in our own society now that it's not just enough to do the right thing, but we have to be seen for it. It's not enough to use God's gifts to try and bring him glory or to use them with uh, with wisdom. We need to use them so that we are also glorified. You know, it's, it's not enough to be a good teammate on the sports field. You got to make the game-winning catch or make that buzzer beater. It's not enough to be someone who leads an encouraging prayer or someone who encourages other people by the songs that they choose in a song service. No, you got to be someone who, who people look at and they say, wow. I want to be like that guy. And they come up to you and they are like, wow, what a good prayer you led. Or what a good song you led. You know, it's not enough to be a good worker. We need that promotion. We need that praise. It's not enough to make the good grades. You know, we want people to see us. They, we want them to be impressed by us. And that's the world talking. That's the influences of this world, not of the next, acting in our lives. And if we really take a moment to step back and ask ourselves, why am I doing these things? Why am I seeking these things? We will realize that if we have a single-minded focus on God, that none of that really matters. What is the point? Why do we seek the honor of man? It's not going to help us attain the resurrection. And so, as people who have a single-minded focus on God, we're going to do the right thing. We're going to use our talents, but we're going to use them to bring glory to God and not to ourselves. See, when we have that focus on God, our glory is going to fade away because it's just not important. There's another thing that ceases to be important when we have our minds focused on God, and that is our own comfort. See, we grow up expecting certain things. Our society tells us that we need our comfort. You know, that white picket fence, the nine to five, that comfortable nest egg when you retire. These are every American's rights, right? Well, what do you do when the world turns upside down? How do you view your possessions when other people's needs arise? What are your rights? Paul obviously has a very different view of his rights than a lot of us might have. And I think just looking through the book of Philippians will make that abundantly clear. See, if we have our minds fixed on God, that single-minded focus, then the comforts of this world, the things that we think are regular, the things that we want, don't seem so important. So Paul, for example, is writing the letter of Philippians from in prison. And he says in chapter 1, verse 12, I want you to know, brothers, that what's happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. And he goes on to explain why. But I think that that just that sentence alone speaks so much of Paul's perspective on life. That he's in a really rough prison that is... It's just a difficult place to be, but he says, as I'm reflecting on this, I'm glad I'm here because God is being praised. You guys are getting more bold. People are hearing about the word of God in a way that they would not have otherwise, and you know, I'm really glad I'm here. If we are focused on the comforts of life or on what we expect, we're not going to have that perspective, but Paul does because he has his mind focused on the resurrection. He has his mind focused on the spreading of the gospel. A similar thing happens in verses 17 and 18. There are some people who are spreading the gospel. He says there's two types of people spreading the gospel, and some of them are are doing it to hurt me. He says in verse 17, The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. Paul says, yeah, I mean, their motives aren't pure. And they're doing this to hurt me. And I'm suffering because of the way they're preaching the gospel. But I'm really glad the gospel is being preached. That's not perspective from somebody who is seeking comfort. Uh, we'll look in verse 23. Where he says, I'm hard pressed between the two. He's talking about living versus dying. I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ. For that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue uh, with you all. For your progress and joy in the faith. So he says... I'd really rather die because I want to go be with Jesus, but I think it'd be more useful if I were here because there's still work to do. The gospel still needs to be shared. I still need to work with you guys. You know, I think God's probably going to keep me here, and I'm, I'm glad that's going to happen. Paul has that single-minded focus. Whatever's going to happen to him is not important as long as God is being glorified. We see that with his contentment in chapter 4, verse 11. Uh, He says, Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul says, as I reflect on my life, there are, Times where I've had everything I need, and there have been times where it's been really difficult. Times where I have had abundance, and times where I've had very little. And in every situation, I have learned contentment, because Jesus is going to take care of me. And again, that takes a lot of faith, that takes a lot of focus, because We all have things that we would really like to happen for us, things that we have grown to expect, comforts that we desire. And Paul says, you know, I don't really need those because I'm focused on Jesus. And Paul said this enough and had this attitude in himself enough that it rubbed off on the Philippians as well. Because when they had an opportunity to contribute to him, they didn't look at their stuff and say, you know what? I really, we should probably keep that because, you know, the roof might cave in or, you know, I really think we should keep these things because, you know, our family, you know, we we need to be comfortable. And of course, there are times where we need to be prepared, Uh, times where we need to have, you know, savings and protections and provide for our family. I'm not at all negating that. But in verse 15 of Philippians 4, he says, You Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. So the fact that the Philippians contributed to Paul and contributed to the spread of the gospel is a testament to the fact that they realized that their money, the things that they had were meant for more than just providing for their comfort. They realized that when they had the things they had, they could give those, and they also exhibit here that devotion, that focus, that their actions should be brought into the lens of, how am I going to please God? How can I attain the resurrection? How can I gain Christ? And the the truth that comes out of this is really that we can seek Jesus where we are, that we don't need to wait to be comfortable in life to serve God. In, in our poverty, we can show contentment. And in our excess, we can show generosity. In persecution, we can show endurance. In trial, we can praise God. No matter what difficult situation we find ourselves in, there's an opportunity there for God to be praised. I mean, this is a hard time for a lot of people. This corona pandemic thing that has affected so many people and a lot of people have lost their jobs. And that is really difficult. It'll throw you for a loop, spin your whole world upside down. But, when we have the focus that Paul has, yes, these things are difficult, but we find that we can seek God wherever we are. So in a world where people are freaking out, where is our food going to come from? What's going to happen next? We can be an example of faith. And when this pandemic affects us in ways where we don't work the same way we used to. Look, there are opportunities to serve. Times and flexibility that we have that we didn't really have before. And yeah, things are hard. Things are different. Things are uncomfortable. But wherever we are, we can serve God. This isn't just simple optimism or looking on the bright side, but it is seeking out in every opportunity a way to serve God, a way to draw near to him, a way that his work can be pushed along. See, society tells us we need to be comfortable, but what good is comfort if it doesn't help us gain Christ and attain the resurrection? It's not. And so we realize that if we have that focus on Jesus, the comforts of this life don't seem so important to us anymore. And finally, when we have that focus on Jesus, our way doesn't seem so important. See, our society tells us that we need justice. You know, if someone slaps you, you slap them back. If someone does you wrong, they deserve to be punished. Forgiveness is not something that is valued in our society. And yet, Paul urges the Philippians in two different places that there be peace among them. And so in chapter 2, starting in verse 1, he says, So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, and... Uh, of of one another. Uh, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only for his own interests, but also to the interests of others, having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Paul says, when you look at Christ when you see the way he acted, the humility that he exhibited, he calls you to that same standard. He calls you to also exhibit that humility. And when we have humility in our lives, we are not going to act out of selfish ambition or conceit. And this has very real ramifications in our life. Because if my only concern in life is gaining resurrection is knowing Christ then what does it matter what he or she said or what they did you know we can get really caught up in the corals of this life things that really grip us emotionally and pull us to the edge of our seats and say do something about this you know someone talks bad about us or talks bad about our family or someone is rude to us or doesn't do the things that they should. Or maybe, you know, someone owes us money. Like, there are lots of situations in which we're going to be interacting with people. And it's going to be upsetting. It's going to be frustrating. And we're going to want to act in a way that's rude, in a way that is retaliatory, because they treated us poorly. And so we should go pursue justice. But when you look at Jesus... A God who came to this earth, the God who came to this earth. Jesus, he had the right of all the things that God has. He could have had equality with God, but he said no. He came to this earth to be a servant, to be humbled to die for the sins of the very people that nailed him to the cross. And you're really going to look at that example and tell me that it is significant what somebody did to you. In the words of, of that parable, that why are you going to seek, this is, these are not the words, this is just a paraphrase, but why are you going to seek to pursue your brother over a very small debt when Jesus forgave you of everything. And so when we keep our eyes focused on Jesus, focused on the resurrection, focused on gaining Christ, these squabbles all seem very insignificant as we focus ourselves on the goal. Our goal is not to get our own justice, to avenge our own wrong, to get what we deserve here on earth. Our goal is is fixed straight at heaven, straight at the resurrection. And when we're working together with our brothers or with our families, we can let these little things get in between us and really get in the way of the gears turning as we all try and serve God together. But when we choose to look past these little things and focus on God, then they all fade away, and we realize they're not really that big of a deal, and so as we wind down then, we start to ask, well, why are these such a big deal? Why do we consider them to be? You know, we've we've talked that if we have this focus on Jesus, this single-mindedness, that these peripheral stuff, the my glory, my comfort, my way, it's just going to sort of fade into the background. But sometimes they don't fade into the background. And when that is the case, we need to take stock of where our focus is. See, tonight we've talked about having a single-minded focus on Jesus. But when, just like when we were hiking Pinnacle Mountain and we met somebody who had a big old pack that was not helping them to accomplish the goal of hiking the mountain, you start to realize that maybe they have a different goal than I have. Or, if, if not a totally different goal, at least two different goals. See, they weren't only focused on hiking, they're also focused on exercise or whatever else, whatever reason they have the pack. And in the same way, we can get caught in the trap sometimes of focusing on Jesus, but also trying to focus on something else. You know, yeah, we'd like to have eternal glory in heaven, but man, if people thought I was a good person here, man, if people knew how smart I was, boy, that would be good too. And so we have two goals, and that's not going to fly. In the same way that a runner can't, who's going to try and run in a race, if they get distracted by the crowd and miss the gunshot, they're going to lose the race. Or a, an, a marksman who's trying to shoot at a target, but he's looking through two different conflicting sights. He is not going to hit his mark. And in the same way, we are called to have a single-minded focus on Christ. And so let us then resolve to lay aside all of these other things, these other goals that can be very tempting, and especially can be tempting because everyone else seems to be getting them. Everyone else gets to be comfortable. Everyone else gets to have their name praised. Why don't I get that? It's because it doesn't matter. It's because when we have our focus on Jesus, it just fades away. And so let us resolve to follow Jesus, laying aside the glory that this world can provide and focusing on him laying aside the comforts of this life and focusing on Jesus laying aside our right to retaliate because it doesn't matter we're focusing on Jesus we see Paul and his single-minded focus and we want that too we're going to read the passage again and then we'll pray and the lesson will be yours in Philippians 3 starting in verse 7 Whatever was considered gain to me, these things for the sake of Christ, I now regard as loss. Truly, I regard everything to be loss because of what is better. The knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and regard them as filth. In order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, a righteousness that's from the law, but a righteousness coming from Christ, a righteousness from God based on faith. That I might know him and the power of his rising and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death so that somehow I may attain the resurrection of the dead. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we thank you for giving us hope that one day we can be resurrected just as your son was raised. And we thank you for sending your son to teach us about humility, to teach us about sacrifice, to teach us that there are many distractions in this world, but none of them Matter because we are focused on you. Thank you for giving us this example in Paul of a single-minded determination to follow you. Help us to have that in our own lives. Help us not to seek our own righteousness, but the righteousness that comes from you that is based on faith. Help us to gain Christ. Help us to know him and the power of his rising and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, so that somehow we may attain the resurrection from the dead. In Jesus' name, amen.